0: Welcome to the Senior Attorney Match podcast. I am your host, attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. Very excited today to welcome Jared Correa, who is the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting. Jared himself is an attorney, and Red Cave offers subscription-based law firm business management consulting and technology services for solo and small law firms. Jared has been advising lawyers and law firms for over a decade. Jared's a regular presenter, at local regional and national events, including the ABA Tech Show. Jared also hosts his own podcast, The Legal Toolkit, which is a podcast on the Legal Talk Network. Jared, welcome to the Senior Attorney Match podcast.
1: Thanks. I'm excited too. That was a nice brief bio, very crisp.
0: Wow, thanks so much. And today, Jared, we're going to be talking about a topic that, in some respects, sounds super bland, but in other respects, is really important for every senior attorney that Senior Attorney Match works with, which is client lists and referral source lists. And it actually, conjures, I was thinking before, Jared, before we got on the podcast, and here we are in the fall of 2020. I was thinking of the upcoming holiday season. And everybody, of course, is familiar with making a list
1: and checking it twice. (laughs) Very nice. I like that.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And so here, what I'm always asking clients, Jared, at the outset, when lawyers come to senior attorney match, and they'll ask, what is my practice worth? And I'll say to them, well, we have a four-step analysis for valuing a law practice. It's, who are your clients? Who are your referral sources? What's the goodwill you have in your community region or or nationally and what's your subject matter knowledge expertise but those two first questions that i'll ask clients which are what's your client list and what's your referral source list jared i'll tell you more often than not especially because i'm working with attorneys that have been practicing more than 30 years and these are people that practice most of their practice in the 20th century this is pre (laughs) pre y2k okay that when i asked about what where's the list they'll say you mean my christmas list of clients <laughs> so i'll let you take over right now jared but you, you can already see where i'm going with this which is i really want to be able to get across to the audience and we'll talk much more about this during today's podcast of the, the value of a client list how to organize it and how to really make for lack of a better word hay out of the client list
1: yeah totally it's funny you mentioned Y2K. I haven't heard Y2K mentioned in years, but it's true. <laughs> a lot of these senior attorneys like, were practicing during that time and way before. The good thing about lists is that they're tangible, right? So experience, goodwill, those are good things, but they're less tangible, right? Like what is goodwill worth? I think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to value law firms, just because it's tough to stick a number onto goodwill. Right. Because nobody knows what happens as soon as the keys get turned over, how loyal those clients going to be. But a list, especially if it's like a curated list, like you talked about with pertinent information like email address, phone number, I get that list as like an enterprising younger attorney who's managing a law firm. And now I can make some hay with that list. Right. I can do some remarketing. So the bigger list, the better. Right. The more recent clients, the better. And I can plug that into an email marketing tool. I can start calling on that list potentially because they're all former clients. So there's no issue in terms of solicitation there, right? I can start sending out mailers to those clients. And if I'm a younger lawyer who's buying a law practice, I look at that list as like a gold mine, frankly. Because even if I can get 10% of that list to convert to new clients, to convert to referral sources that's worth a ton of money to me. And I think the other thing you mentioned, which was important, which is like, so when people say, where's your list? And they say, my Christmas list. I think that's how most senior attorneys view it, right? It's like every Christmas, and we talked about this previously, our holiday season, we got to send out like the holiday cards and we got to put the list together. And it's a massive undertaking for every lawyer and they hate it for the most part, (laughs) but they know it generates business. And I think the other hard is like every time they're reconstructing that list, right? They're adding what happened over the last year. And by the way, it's the same thing with me. I ask lawyers when I consult with them, like, where's your client list? Where are your documents located? And the answer is always 18 different places. So the key before we even talk about leveraging it using technology, is there one place where you have your list? And most attorneys don't have that one place, that one source of truth.
0: You're right. Before we continue with that, because I think a lot of listeners will be thinking to themselves right now, oh my goodness, I got to call my office manager. We have to put our list together and (laughs) spend all kinds of time doing that. Before we go there and make people more nervous about that, can we stick with this Christmas theme of looking to the Christmas future firms that you work with, Jared, and, and we probably should have spent a little more time already on Red Cave. When you're working with firms, what well, I'll call 21st century firms that do have organized lists, can you just let us know the kind of work you're doing with your clients of people hear about drip marketing? And you already mentioned a phrase that a lot of people aren't familiar with, which is remarketing, when you're working with clients and they have a working updated list, what kind of value can that provide? Not talking about senior attorneys right now, what kind of value that can provide to a red cave client?
1: Oh, it's huge. And I like to think that even if firms aren't 21st century firms before they start working with me, they become 21st century firms, right? And I'm usually working with firms that are managed by younger attorneys, right? I wouldn't classify the bulk of my clients as senior attorneys. So I work with senior attorneys, from time to time. I think the challenge with the senior attorney world is that like, if I say, hey, let's reinvent these seven practices, they're like, I'm retiring in three years. I don't want to do that. (laughs) But if somebody's got like 20 years left to run a practice, they're very interested in that. So there's a lot of tactics you can use once you get your hands on a list. Where do you house the list, right? It's going to be one place. And the best place to house a list is a marketing tool that has marketing automation features. And I'm intentionally being broad there because a lot of marketing products now have remarketing, marketing automation features inside of them. Uh, CRMs, customer relationship management softwares, which essentially are used to track leads and get data about how clients are converted into law firms. They have marketing automation features. Email marketing services like MailChimp, Constant Contact that are used to send out bulk emails they have marketing automation features. Even like case management software tools in legal now have marketing automation features. And some actually have associated CRMs that they use. So the idea here is that any time you can use a combination of like personal touch and automation on a list, it can be highly effective to generate referrals and to close leads. And when I talk about marketing automations, what I mean is what can you automate that will allow a process to take place without your manual Um, insertion into that process, right? So if you've got a new lead, let's say, first thing you want to do is populate them to your list and then you start sending out information, right? You say, hey, thanks for contacting us. Here's how to schedule an appointment with me. Three days later, it's like, hey, notice you haven't scheduled an appointment yet. If you need any more information, call this number, et cetera, et cetera. You can use these marketing automation tools to send out notifications that are automated So you don't have to do it. So you don't have to worry about follow-up necessarily. And then if you happen to forget and you're not able to apply that personal touch, then it allows you to get some touch on these people who are then more likely to sign up with you. And the really cool thing about these tools is that they can access triggers based on actions that leads or clients take, right? So if I click on one email or I make a payment or I set up a consultation, that turns off one marketing automation and it... Connects to another; it starts another one up. So it can get really, really sophisticated. But it's a great way to like close leads, close the loop on referral sources without necessarily having to do it like just by your memory, which is how most attorneys do it.
0: You're right. I worked for many years, Jared, with a tremendous attorney, and I observed after a few years that really his marketing efforts was essentially showing up <laughs> right. if he would right? I mean, if he would show up on January 1st and work a full year, the phone would ring and there was no marketing, okay? And in that situation, there was no Christmas list. But let's just say what comes to mind when you were just talking about those different automated features, what comes to mind is I'm often working with estate planners, Okay. And an estate planning attorney who, let's say, has practiced for 30 plus years will typically have written literally over a thousand, sometimes over 2,000 wills. And let's just say that that attorney does have the Christmas list of a 1,000 people, but doesn't do any marketing, has all kinds of information about their clients, of course, you know, about birth dates and who's married to whom. And the last time that a will was updated or a trust was amended, could you let our listeners know, even if, let's say, the senior attorney is not necessarily going to make the kinds of sophisticated marketing changes that you're talking about? How would, to a growing law firm that's trying to grow their T&E practice, if they were introduced to a senior attorney that had written 2,000 plus wills, has the Christmas list of 1,000 clients, what kind of value would that bring to the growing T&E firm?
1: Let me get the bad news out of the way first, right? Sure, please. (laughs) So the bad news is bigger list, more value, right? That goes without saying, probably. The other piece of it is, if you had a list and you already had marketing protocols set up, right? Let's say you were using an email marketing tool. Let's say that you were able to automate some of the follow-up on that. Let's say you had collected some data on the responses that people had. That's more valuable to turn over. Like, if you can turn over more or less a turnkey system, and I'm an attorney who's buying a practice, that's something I want. Absent those things in this hypothetical, having a 1,000-person list is still pretty valuable. So you've got the things you talked about before, which are less quantifiable than the list. Like you've got the practice having been around for a long time. You've got the goodwill. You've got the expertise of the lawyer who's exiting the practice and who may be able to help transition. But then you've got this list. So if I have a thousand person list as a law firm that's purchasing a practice, I'm going to hit that list hard, right? I'm going to use whatever data, even if it's anecdotal, that the exiting attorney can give to me about that list. And I'm pushing email communications. I'm potentially sending out mailers. I may be having my secretary or somebody in my firm, maybe another attorney, call down that list just to check on people. I'm doing all those things with an idea in mind that I can get X number of referrals, Y amount of new business out of that list. And then if the data hasn't been collected prior to that, I'm now taking notes about where are people at in their cases who's responsive to which media, right? Like who's responding to emails, who's responding to text messages, who's responding to phone calls. And I'm tracking for all that and trying to utilize that to build up the business through that list. So what I'm doing as an attorney who's acquiring that practice, essentially is I'm setting up a marketing campaign just for those folks. And I'm trying to expand my practice that way. And the last thing I'll say is like, if you look at the way that referrals are coming into law firms over like the last two or three years, And this has been exacerbated by the pandemic, by the way. Most referrals are now community-based referrals. So fewer and fewer referrals are coming in from other business owners or other attorneys. And more referrals are coming in from friends and family. So if I'm an attorney who's acquiring a practice, what I want to do is to be yoked to that community. So that list is especially valuable to me. If I'm in this town and that other law firm is in this other town, now I have inroads into that community. And once I start talking to the people or communicating with the people on that list, they'll talk to the people in their circle and I can potentially get those referrals as well. So, in a nutshell, like that list, just a plain list of names with some information like birthdate, telephone number, address, uh, that's still really valuable to me.
0: Great. Thank you, Jared. And I I just want to share with the listeners because I, I still think that there's going to be a large number of listeners that will think, Jared, that's great advice. I'm in my 60s now. Let me implement all of this that right. Jared's re- that Jared's recommending. And I'll just point out what I'll call shared interests. Okay. My observation, Jared, is that on the senior attorney side, I'm often analogizing a senior attorney, so attorney that's practiced more than 30 years to an all-star athlete in their late 20s and into their 30s okay? May sound strange, but your senior attorney at that point in their mid-60s, early 70s, their subject matter knowledge is at peak level, their ability to close business also at peak level, and they can charge a very competitive rate because of their years of experience and know-how. Their interest, to use a sports analogy, is they should be on the court, on the field, working with clients. What you just brought up, marketing campaign, expanding the reach into the community with this list that you're talking about, that's the interest of the younger growing firm that also recognizes it doesn't have to be lawyers that are running those campaigns. It can be support staff. It can be Red Cave Consulting as an outside consulting service. And what too few senior attorneys recognize, Jared, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, is that Instead of sitting on their list and in all likelihood still sending that begrudging Christmas card that that they actually think – this is crazy. You'll probably laugh at this too and I'm actually laughing in my head as I'm thinking about it. They hate the expense, okay? I can't believe I'm spending $3,000, okay, to mail out this Christmas card, okay, that maybe get me two to five to 10 new cases, Hooray. Okay. Whereas (laughs) on the other hand, a growing law firm would look at that list, even in its very raw format as, wow, like, as you said before, Jared, and I see this, that's a goldmine. Get the senior attorney on the field, meet with the clients, let us do the marketing.
1: Yeah. I think it's a matter of perspective, obviously. And like the one thing I will say as kind of a caveat to that is like, depends on the attorney too, who's a senior attorney, right? Like, I know a lot of lawyers in their 60s who will tell me, I want to practice another 15 or 20 years, and I'm happy to try my hand at technology. And some are more savvy than others. I think that's not most senior attorneys, but it's some for sure. But I think you're right. And you've seen this too. Like The way I see most law firm acquisitions go is it's not like somebody sells the business and walks away, right? Usually there's an earn out component of some kind. So part of the way you earn your way out is continuing to participate. So it's great if I'm this younger attorney and I have all these marketing automations in place. It Reminds me of that old infomercial, right? Set it and forget it, like, <laughs> but not forget it, like analyze the data and stuff. But you have that system in place. You turn that on, it runs. But then it's also helpful to have somebody reaching out and saying, hey, this is the transition I made in my law practice. This is the person I'm working with now. He or she is great. And you should really have a conversation with these guys about where your status is at, right? Because that kind of personal touch, that kind of outreach is, I think, in many ways more along the lines of the skill set of a senior attorney than a younger attorney who's more willing to do automations and more willing to use marketing tools. It's just a different thing, and you really need both. So if you have a senior attorney who brings a high level of skill in interpersonal marketing, and then you've got a younger attorney who maybe has some of that but also is really busy and has another skill set in terms of managing the marketing online, web-based marketing, automated marketing, then putting those two together is great. And I would, I would probably go so far as to say that, like, if I was a younger attorney who was acquiring a practice, I would ask about that, and I would want a senior attorney who was willing to go out and shake some trees for me. And it shouldn't be that hard because it's not like new referrals. Theoretically, especially if it's a small firm or especially a solo attorney, that senior attorney knows everybody pretty well on that list.
0: 100%. And the the reality is that the senior attorneys often just get too busy throughout the course of the year. The adage yeah. of working in your business versus on your business, that's what gets in the way. And what I'll always hear at the closing table, Jared, when a senior attorney's joining a growing law firm is, well, I'm so glad I just don't have to do the office management and I just want to be in front of clients, many of the senior attorneys that I work with, they actually love the business development side. Right. And if they have the opportunity, and I, I may have shared with you before, and I'll share with the audience that... I have a client and you know she's an estate planner. And what we're planning for now, because we've all entered into, and some of us will say we have Zoom fatigue, but the, the reality is we're in a Zoom world today yep. where the value of face-to-face meetings, how will it come back? We'll see, but Zoom is here to stay. And it does introduce a very personal interaction. And for those senior attorneys, that haven't met with their clients in months and sometimes years and can get onto a Zoom meeting with their client who the firm that they joined because of assistance from a company such as RedCave can do the marketing, reconnect with the clients via the marketing and remarketing, set up meetings, whether in-person or Zoom, with the younger growing firm's attorneys and the senior attorney. Jared, it's a real winning combination.
1: Oh, totally. Like the more these two attorneys can come together and work together, the better. And look, I I agree. Like in the best law firm partnerships, you've got people who have certain skill sets, right? You've got somebody who's like the administrative partner, right? They're good at managing the business. You've got somebody who's the marketing partner. They're good at making rain, right? Everybody theoretically has their own skill sets. So if you can bring together an attorney who's really good at business development, like traditional modes of business development, and free them up to do that, That's a significant advantage as well. And as you just mentioned, like if you can build that into some of the marketing automations and the marketing campaigns that you set up, that's great. Like, hey, you haven't talked to Joe for a long time. Schedule a meeting with him on Zoom. Like, People would totally take advantage of that, if for no other reason than just to catch up. If a senior attorney is freed up to do that, something that really hits their wheelhouse well, then that's advantageous to both parties. It brings more value from the senior attorney's end. And it's also really advantageous for the younger attorney to have somebody come into the office like that because in all likelihood, they don't have someone with that exact skill set in place.
0: Great. Well, Jared, thank you so much. And before we let you go, love for you to be able to share with the audience a bit more about Red Cave and the kind of consulting that you offer to law firms, small, medium, and probably larger law firms are are in your repertoire too.
1: So I work with all kinds of law firms all over the place, right? So generally speaking, I work with law firms of one to 25 attorneys, but I've worked with law firms with over a hundred attorneys as well. And the idea is that I help lawyers with strategic consulting. So basically the idea is that not a lot of lawyers know how to run a business effectively, but I've been helping lawyers to run effective businesses for years. So I kind of view myself as let's say you had a partner in the firm who was good at business management that you could rely on to help you make decisions. That's kind of what I do. And if you would be in a firm environment, you'd probably have regular meetings with that partner. That's uh, so why I set up for the clients. So the subscription-based consulting that I do means that I have a uh, meeting with the lawyer or lawyers I'm working with at the firm like every couple of weeks. We define strategies, we set a timeline, and then we move forward on things on a bit-by-bit basis. I find that lawyers like try to bite off a lot more than they can chew often. So we try to distill it down to separate and distinct tasks that we can move ahead on. And I have lawyers with a bunch of things, technology, marketing, finance, usually growing firms. But as I said, over the last like 13, 14, 15 years, I've worked with something like 4,000 law firms across the world, really good attorneys in North America and in other continents and countries as well. So happy to work with anybody who's interested in the websites, redcavelegal.com.
0: Well, great. Jared, I so much appreciate the time that you shared with me today and our conversation about the importance of client lists for senior attorneys. So Jared Correa of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, thanks so much
1: for joining. Thanks. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. For more information, please visit SeniorAttorneyMatch.com. You can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, by calling me at 781-247-4211 or send me a text message at 617-285-3325.